Uh, Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to the book of Philippians. We finished Colossians two weeks ago. I forgot to announce it last Sunday, but we're going to be in the book of Philippians, uh, going verse by verse until we finish, however long that takes, I'm not really sure. But uh, many of you are familiar with uh, the book of Philippians. Um, I want to say something uh, in an introductory comment here. I've entitled the message, Thankful. Because this epistle is loaded with Paul giving thanks to God, thanks for the people. He had a very close relationship with this church. So let me pray. Well, let me read it first, and then we'll pray. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 1. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to the saints in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for all, for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we'll be settled here in this book for the next several weeks. Bless these sermons, Lord. Bless them. Anoint them with your Holy Spirit, that we would not only know your word, but that we would know how to apply your word to our lives. We thank you for it. We pray blessings over this message today. Lord, in the process, let us be edified. Lord, you be glorified. And we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So I want to give you a little background about this epistle, if I can. Um, James, were you able to fix point number two? Got it. Okay, I made a mistake last night when I sent James the outline. But anyway, this is one of Paul's prison epistles. He wrote four from prison. Uh, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Philemon. He's in Rome, in jail. The year is about 60 or 62 A.D., He has established approximately a 25-year relationship with the people in Philippi. And uh, this epistle is known as the joyful epistle. Won't take time to go through all the different passages, but there's several, chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4, that talk about how joyful he is in ministering to these people. It's a positive epistle. It's an encouraging epistle. It's a hopeful epistle. That's one of the reasons why I was kind of gearing this way, and the Lord confirmed it with, with me. But I, I want to focus on some good things. Amen? The world is full of bad news. I watch the news at night sometimes. I, I, I leave saying, why did I watch that? All, all you get is bad news. I want some good news. So this is good news. There's only one section here. It's in chapter 4. Won't go to it now. But in that one section of chapter 4, Paul is encouraging the church to help these two ladies get along. Two Christian ladies get along. They were having a conflict. And so that's the only area where he's saying to you know, help them uh, get along. There was Iodia and Synctiche. Um, and there's many well-known verses in this epistle. Let me just mention a few of them. Philippians 1.6, we just read it. How many of you knew that? He who began a good work. We sing it sometimes. I hope to sing it in closing today. But in uh, chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who emptied himself from glory and came and lived among men. But let that mind be in you. 3.8 says, 
uh, Paul says, I, I count all things that, uh, as lost that I may uh, uh, experience and know the knowledge of him who has saved me. I, I count all things as lost. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How many of you know that scripture? How many of you, you used to sing it in the day? Like time after time after time until it was ingrained in your heart. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. But with all prayer and supplication, make your request be made known to God. What about 4, 13? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? A lot of people love that. That's been our scripture in our home for the last probably 40 years or so. But uh, one of the most you know, popular ones because it says through Christ we can achieve, we can become the people that God has wanted us to become. By the way, David Brissett, God bless you, brother. Good seeing you today. I meant to recognize you earlier and you got away from me, but I didn't want you to get away from me right now. So God bless you. So um, as we begin uh, this verse-by-verse study, I I just wanted to tell you something. This is called exegesis. Everyone say it with me. Exegesis. And what exegesis is, according to dictionary.com and many other dictionaries, is a critical explanation or interpretation of a text or of a portion of a text. It says especially of the Bible. I've never heard the word exegesis used outside of use for the Bible. And so uh, Pamela had mentioned the movie, uh, The Jesus Revolution. I, we encourage you, you have to see that movie. But the pastor in the movie, true story, by the way, about the Jesus Revolution when well, the hippies got saved in the 60s and 70s. But the, the pastor is Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith went home to be with the Lord, I think, in 2013. But he was very well known for his verse-by-verse study of the Word of God. Back in those days, they had cassette tapes. A lot of my friends, I I never had them, but I heard them. He was on the radio all the time, preaching, teaching, verse-by-verse through various books of the Bible. How many of you know another well-known minister? He's deceased as well, J. Vernon McGee. Oh, yeah. he's, He's been in heaven a long time. But his voice is heard all over the world through his radio ministry and, you know, different, different means of communication. Verse by verse study of the Word of God. So I, I think, I, I personally, uh, I'm, I think I'm on to something. We can learn the Word of God. This way we can see what the Word of God says and apply it to our lives. I mean, for 30 years prior to this, I always came prepared with the message, but it was God speaking to me about something. But now I'm reading the Word of God and getting the message directly from the Word instead of working it the other way. Are you with me? So so I think this is a good thing. So today we're going to go by verse by verse, 1 through 6. The hour's a little bit late, but I'm going to give it a shot and then have some application to what we're talking about. The application would be five reasons why we should be thankful coming from these verses. Anyway, verse number 1. Paul and Timothy... I call these brothers the dynamic duo. Let me just refresh your memory. Paul is the one saved on Damascus Road. He was a Pharisee. He was a Jew. He was a leader. Well-versed in Scripture. But he was going to Damascus to round up the Christians and arrest them and persecute them when he was stopped dead in his tracks by the Lord, fell to the ground, and the Lord said to him, Saul, Saul, which was his Hebrew name, why are you persecuting me? Don't you know you're kicking against the goads? Now let me tell you something. That word has haunted me for 30 years. 
I thought there was a spelling error in the Bible. A gourd, maybe like an like a eggplant that got hard and you kick it and you hurt your foot? Well, no. I didn't know. But in our Wednesday night study, last Wednesday, if you were on, on the live stream, we're in 1 Samuel 14, and they're talking about the, the farmer's tools that they used for weapons in battle, the Jewish people. And one of the weapons was, guess what? A goad. I said, a goad? Boing, Acts chapter 9. What is a goad? So I looked it up. It's an iron rod, like a spear, that the farmers would use. They used it for battle. But Jesus said to Paul, you're persecuting the church. You're kicking against the goads. You're going to hurt your foot. (laughs) And so that's what Jesus, by persecuting the church, Paul, you're hurting yourself. And Paul was converted. He went blind for a little while. He was baptized. Um, he, uh, he went on to be a great man of God. The Lord used him mightily. And now, so this is 25 years later than that. He's in a Roman jail awaiting trial. And we talk about Timothy for just a little bit. I love Timothy. I want to meet Timothy one day. I want to say to him, hey, Timothy. Hey, Tim. Hey, Timmy, what was it really like being with Paul? And he might have some stories that aren't listed in the Bible. But anyway, we read in the Word that uh, he's first introduced in Acts chapter 19. His mother was a Jew, his father was a Greek. And 2 Timothy 2, uh, 1, we read that his mother and his grandmother were very strong Christians. But in Acts 16, anyway, Paul came into his life and took him under his wing got him circumcised, educated him in the Word, and took him under his wing and and commissioned him out to be a great leader in the church as well. Um, So here, Paul and Timothy are together. So we read in uh, chapter 2, 19, we won't look at it, but Paul says to the church in Philippi, I'm ready to send Timothy to you so he could bring me back some good news about you. So Timothy is with Paul in Rome as Paul is in prison right now as we read this. I think that's a great connection. So it says, Timothy, uh, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. How many of you remember when we were in Colossians, we got into this whole phrase of bond servant. What does that mean? And in that culture, slavery and bond servants was rampant. It was different than what you might think in our country or, or in Europe later. But at that time, it was rampant. And so Paul uses that analogy to explain and to depict his relationship with Christ. He's a, he's a bondservant. He's, he's a slave of Jesus. He's owned by Jesus. He's subservient to Jesus. He belongs to Jesus. I think we should think about that in our own situation. Can we say that? Are we a bondservant of Christ Jesus? I know we say it, but are we really? Does he own us? Does, do we follow him as our, you know, back in the day, and some of you may remember this, when someone accepted the Lord, we would say, you know, I accept you, Lord, as my Savior. Yeah, everyone says yes. As my Lord, okay. And as the master of my life. We don't say that too much anymore, but we should. But if Jesus is the master of my life, guess what? I'm a bondservant to him. Amen. I have to be obedient to him. If I slip up, it's not his fault, it's my fault. So anyway, Paul and Timothy, bondservants uh, of the Lord Jesus. So the bondservants of Jesus Christ are writing to the saints in Christ Jesus. The saints. Now, some of you may say, but wait a minute. 
Saints are those that have been canonized by the Roman Catholic Church, like St. Peter, St. Paul, and all the rest. Well, we want to look at a biblical definition. Some might say a saint is someone who died, anyone who died and went to heaven. There is, now they're a saint. Well, maybe, but biblically, this word saint is used for the living in Christ. Those who have surrendered to the Lord. Those that are bondservants of the Lord are actually saints of the Lord as well. So he's writing to the saints, anyone saved by grace through faith, anyone born again, a new creation, a believer in the Lord, living out the Christian life, a disciple of Christ, someone who's been delivered from dark to light. That's what a saint is. I heard a little message this morning as I was awakening uh, of a preacher preaching on the importance of being delivered and how to know if you're a Christian or not. And what he was saying was, you know you're a Christian if you've been delivered from dark to light. I like that. And, And are we perfect? No. But we know we've been delivered and we have a higher authority over us. So, verse number one, Paul and Timothy, bondservants, writing to the saints, uh, and I think uh, we could have a case to say that a bondservant and a saint are on the same level, and a, a disciple is on the same level. So we could say we're a bondservant, we're saints, and we're disciples. All meaning, have different little, different little meaning involved, but all meaning the same thing. We belong to Christ. And the, uh, the bondservants and the saints and the disciples of the Lord make up the church. And so it becomes like a family. So, so he says, to the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. Philippi. Uh, each church or each city or region had their own church, much like today. However, Haverhill, at last count, I think it's up to 37, 38 churches in Haverhill. A lot of churches in Haverhill. But I've been known to say, I've said it here, I've said it publicly as well, if I'm, if I'm at different functions, and this always gets people, but I don't mean to say it to get people, but it does get people. I say there's only one church in Haverhill. It's not new life, by the way. It's the blood-bought, spirit-filled church of Jesus Christ. You could be Catholic, Protestant, Pentecostal, Evangelical, whatever you are. But if you belong to Christ, you're part of the church. That's why when we have communion, I always say, you don't have to be part of this church, but you have to be a part of the church. And so I I think that's better to go about it that way. So um, anyway, so Philippi was named after King Philip. Who knows who King Philip is? I don't, I don't know. Well, all I know, he was the father of Alexander the Great. Him I know from, Dan, from the book of Daniel. But um, King Philip of Macedonia and Paul visited Philippi on two of his missions trips. And he stayed very close to these people in particular, sent them help and encouragement throughout his years. So he had a, basically a 25-year relationship with them. So verse number one ends by saying, To the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. And all the pastors said, I'm glad he mentioned that, because leaders are important to include in the letter. And verse number one, among many other things, spells out a pattern or a protocol how a New Testament church would would grow and develop. There's overseers. um, Some of your translations may say bishops or overseers uh, who teach and preach and oversee the work. They're leaders. There's deacons that do the hands-on work and help people. And then there's the saints of God that are the people in the church. 
So this church was founded by Paul. We see it in Acts chapter 16. And uh, leaders and deacons were established as he moved on to other areas of ministry. But you can see how important it is. The theme, in the, one of the themes in the New Testament is for the believers in any city to continue to stay in touch with each other. To stir up love and good works. Especially as you see the day of the Lord nearing. Don't forsake the assembling, but stay together and, and, and spur each other on to good works and, and, and love. So, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to so all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. And the first thing he says in verse number two, and, and Brother Bill shared it as he was receiving the offering, grace to you. Grace to you. And... Um, uh, you know, God's unmerited favor, undeserved blessing on our lives. We're saved by grace, Ephesians 2.8. We walk in grace, Ephesians 4.7. And here we live in grace. And uh, I want to encourage you here at New Life Christian Assembly to make sure you stay in grace. Now, now that, that may sound easy, but when you're having a bad day, it's not so easy. When you stumble and fall and do something sinful or something wrong, it's not so easy because you have all these feelings and emotions. But just remember, God knows. As, as we say, He knows our address. He knows our email address and our phone number, for that matter. He knows how to get a hold of us. He knows what's going on. So for Him to say, grace to you, I would say to the church, grace to you. Grace to you. Um, and, and peace from God. Grace and peace. What a wonderful way to greet the church. Romans 5.1 says this, Having been justified by faith, we have, peace with the, through, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Paraphrase verse number 2. Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and God our Lord Jesus Christ. Or, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. And I would, I would add, maybe if I was reading this epistle, which obviously I did not, but I would maybe throw in something about the Holy Spirit. Because certainly the Holy Spirit is involved in all of this. You have the Father and the Son, and why not throw in the Holy Spirit as well? Because he's bringing that whole thing together. Paul didn't think that was necessary at that time. But anyway, he greets you. Uh, he greets the church with God's blessing and God's peace upon them. Verse number three, wonderful scripture. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Paul's personal relationship with the Lord is displayed here. I thank my God. David said something similar. Oh God, you are my God. It's one thing to worship God. It's another thing to worship my God and your God is a personal relationship. But this, verse number three tells me that it's important to make memories together. He says, I, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. That's quite a statement. You know, they had some good times together. Maybe, you know, there was some hardship along the way, but in the spirit, they had good times together. I, I want you to some of you to remember some of the good times that we've had together in the past years. For instance, how many of you remember Hillstock? Listen, as crazy as it was, that was a blessing. And it was wild, and it was, it was 
a challenge, but we did it, how many, 11 years, James? I forget, 10? 10 years? An awesome thing, outreach to the city. How many of you remember um, United Nights of Prayer with different churches and leaders coming in here? We had worship nights. We had breakfast meetings sometimes. How many of you uh, attended pizza with the pastor? Come on. The pastor wasn't so hot, but the pizza was really good. We went to baseball games. We had weddings and funerals and baby dedications. Thank you, Fortune and Joan and Chrissy over there for that beautiful baby dedication two weeks ago. The food is excelente, my brother and sister. Very good. Thank you for doing that. But anyway, these are means to, to make memories and to connect our hearts together. Now, verse number three, in, in my mind, as being in the ministry for as long as we've been in it, it comes with a double-edged sword. I'm sorry to say, after 35 years of pastoring and being involved with people, I have yet to figure out a way how to, how to, how to navigate when someone gets hurt and abruptly leaves the fellowship. I don't know how to handle that. So usually I don't do anything. But with the blessing involved with fellowship, the other side of the corner, and the reality is sometimes people get hurt or offended And we have to step back and try to figure it out and trust God for healing and and restoration in those relationships. But verse number four, he continues. So verse three, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. Nobody raised your hand, but I wonder how many of you are still praying on early in the morning. I know some of you are, but that's so important to do. And I, I, I see something in verse number four. I need to uh, apply in my prayer time. My prayers are always like to help people and to bless people. But I want to add a little joy to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to be thankful in my prayer. I want to be thankful that I have people to pray for. <laughs> but, you know, he's saying, I, 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 every prayer of mine, I, I, I make requests for you all with joy in my heart. That's a great statement to make. So that tells me, uh, whatever was going on elsewhere, he, he probably couldn't say that about every church. But in this church, he had a great relationship. People were good. They, they had a, a connection. And he prayed with joy. I, I just think that's really important to think about. Verse number five says, um, making requests for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel. Fellowship in the gospel. Anyone know what that is? Let me try to explain what fellowship in the gospel is. This right here is fellowship in the gospel. We came here, we worshiped, we prayed, we had communion together. We're fellowshipping in the gospel. Now you're hearing me preach, and there's a fellowship in the gospel in this. And he said, I'm thankful that I had the fellowship in the gospel with you. This is something so rich for us, church. We can't just say, oh, well, we're going to church. Well, we're going to church with the saints of God. We're going to church to meet God. We're, we're, we're trusting the Holy Spirit to minister to us today. We're in this together. It's the fellowship of the gospel. Unless anyone forgets, every one of us is imperfect. And I'm, I'll be like Paul, I'm first on the line. None of us have arrived yet. Hello? Amen. I always say, I haven't said it in a while, if you think you reach perfection, we're going to set it up over here, the perfect section. You can have a seat on the platform through the whole service. 30 years, no one ever took me up on it, thank the Lord. But anyway, the fellowship of the gospel, so important. You know what, even the live streams, 
Now, I've heard, I've gotten some feedback from the live streams. A couple of people tell me they cannot get into the live streams. There's too much bantering. There's too much, maybe I'm all over the place. I'm trying to keep up. And and it's just not for them. I, I realize that. However, for the people on there that I'm communicating with, I have fellowship with you in the gospel. I feel it in my heart. I really do. And I, I feel it afterwards when I'm writing comments and we're communicating. On, I feel that connection in the gospel. Let, let me put it, we wouldn't be doing it if it weren't for the gospel. You know, uh, everyone has other things to do. But we're doing this because of the gospel. And I, I think the fellowship of the gospel, it binds us together. It, it, it unites our hearts. It connects us not only for now, but it connects us for, guess when? Eternity. I'm reading a great devotional book by Reverend uh, Robert Jeffries. I forget the name of it. Pamela, you gave me uh, it was something about heaven. There's a, there's a one-day devotional about heaven for 90 days. I'm about halfway through it. Every scripture, 90 scriptures are pertaining to eternity. And a little devotional. It's awesome. I'm thinking this, as, this is wonderful, but one day... And some of us have loved ones there already. Amen? What a grand reunion that's going to be. When we could say, hallelujah. But it begins now is what I'm saying. The fellowship in the God, it begins now. It carries over for all of eternity. Praise God. Praise God. So and then he says, verse, where, verse number five, right? He says, I, I'm thankful for the fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. I remember my first Sunday here. I had to tell everyone it was okay to talk to each other. And it was okay to, you know, I'm the new pastor. I'm the new pastor in town. And, and it was a whole new beginning, but we all have a beginning. The church in Philippi, they had a beginning. Let me tell you the beginning of their fellowship. Paul's over there preaching on his missions trips. He's preaching. He's down by the riverbank. And lo and behold, there's some lady, a seller of purple. Lydia comes with her household. And she's down there seeking God or whatever. She doesn't know, but she hears Paul preaching. And the scripture says, the Lord opened up her heart. And she received the things spoken by Paul. She got saved. She and her household, they were baptized. That's how the church in Philippi started 25 years ago. And then the next thing that happened was, you may remember this. Paul's preaching and there's this young girl there. That was, and the scripture says it, annoying Paul. Can you believe that? He was annoyed because she had a spirit of divination on her. And she was saying things like, like contradicting him or hassling him. Or, and it just annoyed Paul. And he rebuked her and cast the demon out. But for that, he was thrown into jail. And as he was <clears throat> singing and praising God, there was an earthquake. And they were released from prison. And uh, the Philippian jailer said, oh, no, what am I going to do? Because they would hold him responsible if anyone escaped. And he, he says to Paul, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus. And he and his household were saved. And that Philippian jailer began to minister to Paul by applying water and salve on his back that was, that was ripped apart by the beatings he took. What a story. But that's how the church started. He said, I, I've enjoyed fellowship in the gospel with you from the very beginning. I just want to encourage you. Remember how you started in the faith. I can remember people in my life way back in the day 
who, who were, we had fellowship in the gospel back in those days. It's still a, such a dear place in my heart. And then verse 6, he says, uh, I'm confident of this very thing. And I, I, I could say, I'm confident, I hope you're confident, that God who began a good work in us, Amen. He is so faithful to complete it. And then He throws in a little doctrinal thing, until the day of the Lord. Like there's no, exp- the expiration date is when Jesus comes back. So whether He comes back in their lifetime or our lifetime, it doesn't matter. The Lord will continue to work on us and complete the work that He started. Amen. Praise God. So, well, what are we going to do now? I want to give you five things to be thankful for. Uh, I think I will. I'm going to go quickly. If I feel like there's more to it next week, I'll go back to it a little bit and fill in the blanks. How's that? Are you with me, church? Come on, I I want to know you're with me here. All right. Here's the point. Paul was very thankful for this church in Philippi. The Corinthian church, she had some issues, if you know the story. The Romans, the the other Colossians, yeah, he was pretty happy. But Philippi, he was really happy with this church. It must have been a very special group of people. And my question as we start this is, are you happy and are you thankful for your church? For New Life Christian Assembly, if this is your church, are you happy for your church? I hope so. You know, <clears throat> last week, Ray Monroe was here. Wasn't that a great message he preached? That was wonderful. He took one verse of scripture. I don't know how we did that, but it was great. But he said something in his introduction. He said, a lot of churches say they're a New Testament church, but they're really not. But he said, this church is a New Testament church. And what he said was, there was real, real worship going on. Not three songs and you're out. There's real worship going on. There were the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's the presence of God. That's a real New Testament church. And I I want you to know, I I am very thankful for this church. This church is a light to this community. I don't know many churches that that are like that New Testament church with the gifts of the Spirit, people getting saved, people surrendering. Are there issues? Of course. But you work them out the best you can. A New Testament church is not a perfect church. It's a church that's thankful to God and for one another. So I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the history of this church. I love the stories of Pastor Brazil and Pastor Castro. I love those stories that I hear. And I love meeting them and having fellowship with them. And I, I love, uh, since we've been here in 2007, I just love all the things that have gone on. And I'm thankful for this fellowship. If I wasn't the pastor, I'd probably attend here. <laughs> but let me, give you, let me give you five things real quick. <laughs> real quick. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I should stop right now. I don't, what do you think, Pam? Should I stop or should I go? Ask the people. Ask the people. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Numero uno, to be thankful. Listen, number one, this is based on verse number one. Be thankful that you're a bondservant of Jesus Christ. If you are, because if you're not, you're going to be a bondservant of something else, I'll guarantee it. So who are you going to, Bob Dylan said it best. It might be the devil, or it might be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. It's true, isn't it? Who did you serve before you served Jesus? 
yourself, your money, your pleasure, your, your flow, whatever. You know, it's in our nature to, to bow to something or someone. I, I want to tell you, man, I, I'm so thankful. I can say I'm a bondservant to Jesus Christ. Romans 6, verse 16 says this. Don't you know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave? Whether slaves of sin leading to death or slaves of obedience leading to righteousness. And so I want to encourage you to be thankful that those that bondage to sin. Now you may visit there. I'm not saying there, there may be some real deliverance, but you may visit there every now and then. A word may slip out or a thought or you may do something off the wall and get convicted by the Holy Spirit. But basically the sin has been broken off of you. Why? Because of the cross. We talked about it earlier. The victory is at the cross. When we, have, when we try to take that into ourselves, that's when we get into trouble. We don't need the cross anymore. I have knowledge. Fully. Knowledge will get you so far. I have education. I have money. Whatever. I have a title. Whatever. No, no. You need the cross. You need the blood of Jesus to break those bondages off of you. Listen, one little drink could set you on a course to being a slave to alcohol. One little look could set you on a course to being enslaved to pornography. One little taste of authority will give you a, a, make you a slave to getting power. One little bit of making a little bit of money will give you a, a desire to be a slave to money and prestige. Right. I'm thankful the, the chains are broken through the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And nothing, Romans 8, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. So number one, church, I'm telling you, be thankful if you are a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Be thankful for that. If you're not, we encourage you, become one as soon as possible. Here's number two. Be thankful for the saints of God. I know that's a loaded statement. Believe me, pastors know this more than anybody. Hello. We deal with everybody. The good, bad, and the ugly, so they say. Hallelujah, Gianni. You know what I'm talking about, brother. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, hey, be thankful for... Paul says, I'm thankful for these saints in Philippi. You know why? Basically, bottom line, we're all in the same boat. We all get up in the morning and have to brush our... Well, I won't go into all that, but we're all sinners. We need to be... We're all sinners saved by grace and kept... By grace. That's why he says grace and peace to you. Thankful for the saints of God. Are they different? Are we different? Oh, man, we're different. We think differently? Yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, whatever. But we can't do this thing without the Holy Spirit and without one another. Philippians is a letter of blessing to the body of Christ. Verse 3, grace and peace from God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, There's unity in that. I heard this morning, but it's amazing what I heard this morning, just in a matter of like five or ten minutes. I heard this preacher saying, you know, everyone talks about, you know, this, I think it's in Matthew. Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. Or was this my other devotional? I forget where I heard it now. But anyway, <laughs> I heard it. But the, the point was, sometimes we say, oh, we're together, Jesus is here. Well, yeah, but if Jesus is here, 
If we're together in His name, we have love for each other. We have respect for each other. We accept each other. You know, we tolerate each other, if that's what you want to say. We try to understand each other. If we're together in the name of Jesus, all that, all that is going on like behind the scenes. And in that setting, Psalm 133 says, is the blessing of God. And the unity, how sweet and, how sweet and pleasant it is for brethren and sisters to dwell together in unity. There is the blessing. So if two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus... Not just so in the name of Jesus, but in the name and power of Jesus with love and forgiveness and grace and, and, and commitment to one another. Yeah, there's unity there. And in that arrangement is God's blessing on us. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord for that. Let me go to number three. Number three is found in verse number four. I'm thankful, like Paul, I'm thankful somebody's praying for me. I'm not going to ask you if you're praying for me. I'm asking you to please pray for me. Your pastor needs prayers. Paul said it. Why can't I say it? Your pastor needs prayers. That I may know how to do this. That I may have a good word. That I might hear from God. That I, I'll stand the straight and narrow and do things the right way. I need prayer for that. But I'm thankful somebody's praying. Like Paul said, verse number four, always in every prayer of mine, he's praying for them. And so I, I, I want to be thankful when people pray for me. No prayer, no power. No prayer, things get worse. You think you have it bad now when you're praying? Just think if you weren't praying. I always say that. Lord, it's so crazy right now. And he reminds me, just think what would happen if you weren't in prayer every day. I said, oh man, I don't even want to go down that road. No prayer, no power. No prayer, things get worse. Prayer changes things. And guess what else? Prayer changes me and you. That's the power of prayer. James 5.16, like Elijah, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I'm thankful that somebody's praying for me. And I'm thankful that I can pray for other people. And so can you. You can pray for other people. Have other people pray for you. And so be thankful for the power of prayer within the body of Christ. So when we have a prayer meeting, I want to do all I can to, to, to support the Monday night prayer meeting. Listen, I still believe that maybe God wants to do something extraordinary. That's why we had the worship night a few Sunday nights ago. It was, it was nice. Probably 30 people here, some people online. It was a good night of prayer and worship. And we did that because we're hearing all this talk about revival, for goodness sakes. Why not here? But I think the Lord's telling me, you know what? Set the table. Put some things in place that people will come. Monday night, people are praying there every Monday night. That will be a great time for revival to break out. Amen. Bill and Esther are heading that up, faithful as can be. 6.30, Monday night. We're going to have another prayer week probably coming up in April. We want to do quarterly prayer weeks, Monday through Friday, but we'll let you know about that. Sunday night prayer, very important. So be thankful that we have prayer. We have access to prayer. Here's number, number four, verses three and five. I, I want to be thankful, and I am very thankful, for the fellowship in the gospel. Verse three says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I wonder if we could say that about each other. Don't raise your hand. I just wonder what everybody thinks about everybody. Can you think about everyone with thanksgiving and with hope and understanding and Maybe give somebody a break. 
Verse number five, it says, uh, I, I'm thankful for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. I just want to say this, that when there's good Christian fellowship, in fact, when we, when we ended that prayer, that prayer worship night, uh, was that last Sunday? Was that one week ago? Man, I can't even keep track. But we ended well, gathered in the front. There was a sense of unity and fellowship. There's warmth in Christian fellowship. There's warmth. There's honesty in Christian fellowship. There's conviction in Christian fellowship. There's healing in Christian fellowship. There's a partnership, a a comradeship, a sense of family in Christian fellowship. James 5.16, the first part of that verse says, this is a difficult verse of Scripture, but but it says, confess your sins to one another in good Christian fellowship in order to get healed. I don't think that means physically. I think it means get healed of the sin problem. So sometimes we keep it in, and and he's saying, you know what, get a relationship with some people. Share your thoughts and your concerns. Not with everybody, but with someone that you trust. Someone you know will hold it it, between you and will pray for you. In that setting of fellowship, there's healing that takes place. Isn't that awesome? That's the value of Christian fellowship. But anyway... Be thankful for the fellowship in the gospel. Ladies, next Friday, this coming Friday night, sisterhood meeting, whether you go to the movie or go to the house, whatever, come out. Create a memory. Just do something different. Make, make arrangements. And uh, you, you'll be blessed. Okay, number five is this. I'm going to end with this one. Be thankful that Jesus has me or has you until he returns. I always go back to that. Oh, I'm so thankful, Lord, you have me. And there's a promise of your return. Philippians 2, 12 and 13, we'll get there eventually, but it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God at work within you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. So when we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, he's faithful to work with us, to, to work it out the best way. And he will do that until either we die and meet him in heaven, or he comes back for us. I would opt for number B, but letter B, but that's just me. But anyway, I'm thankful that God has us until he comes back again. And if we were to die before then, guess what? He really has us then. We're going on to glory. Praise God. Okay, so in conclusion, let me just say this here. Uh, be thankful. The message is entitled, Thankful. Be thankful that you're a bondservant of Jesus. Be thankful for the saints of God. Be thankful for the beautiful opportunity to pray. And pray. If you haven't begun, begin. You don't need an hour necessarily. How about five minutes? Just get the, get the pump primed a little bit. And your five minutes will probably turn into ten before too long. But I'm just saying, get started. Be thankful for the fellowship in the gospel. And be so thankful. Jesus is coming back again. You know, every revival I've, I've studied always had an emphasis on the fact that Jesus is coming back. It was like that prompted some excitement or repentance or some, some reaction saying, it might be now, and we better get ready. And then revival would spring up. Okay, so let's stand together. We're going to close out by singing <clears throat> Philippians 1.6. Maybe I could play my guitar. James, could you set me up on the guitar? If you need the words, they're right there.
and pray I remember how to play it. <laughs> he who began a good work is faithful to complete it. Anyone know it? Anyone? You're all over here that know it? You know it? Anyone know it? Willie, you know the song? Hallelujah. I don't even need to look at anything. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. It's a song to one another. So you have to be brave right now and look at somebody and sing it to somebody. If you dare. You don't have to be able to sing, by the way. Just sing. So tell somebody. I'm looking all, I'm telling all you. He would be in a good I'm, I'm I, I got it. I'm done with that. Now you have to do it. You're looking at me, but tell somebody else. Okay, here we go. He'll be faithful to complete it. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the promise in your word. And so, Lord, if there's somebody here that hasn't begun, that you haven't begun the work yet, you're waiting for someone to say, Lord, begin. Lord, we all say it right now on live stream. Lord God, begin or continue that work, Lord. We need you. We cannot function without you. Your grace, your peace your power, your anointing, your wisdom, your word, the fellowship of the saints, the fellowship in the gospel. Lord, we need the whole package. So, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that we could worship and pray and partake of communion together, hear the word of God and sing the word of God. Let us leave here singing your praises. And may your blessing rest upon everyone, those at home as well. And, Lord, bring us back together tonight on our prayer live stream where we can once again have the fellowship in the gospel. Yes. So we give you all thanks and all praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now you can have some fellowship in the cafe.